Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Gateway to the Smokies. This podcast is about America's most visited national park, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding towns. This area is filled with ancient natural beauty, a deep storied history, and a rich mountain culture that we explore with weekly episodes. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, a man of the world, but also with deep roots in these mountains. My family has lived in the Great Smokies for over 200 years. My business is in travel, but my heart is in culture. Today's podcast is titled Finding a New Home in the Smokies Through Stories and Songs. First, let me tell you a little bit about our sponsors. Imagine a place evocative of motor courts of the past, yet modern and vibrant with a chic Appalachian feel. A place for adventure and for relaxation. Imagine a place where you can fish in a mountain heritage trout stream, grill the catch on a fire, and eat accompanied by fine wines or craft beers. Imagine a place with old-time music and world cultural sounds and old storytellers sitting around a fire talking to you about things in life. There is no other place like the Meadowlark Motel in Maggie Valley, North Carolina. Your Smoky Mountain adventure starts with where you stay. Go to MetalArcMotel.com to find out more. And if you're looking for information about the Smokies, look no further than SmokiesAdventure.com. That's Smokies, plural, Adventure.com, where you can find information about hiking and wedding and venues and books and trail maps and, trail maps and resources the emphasis of Smokey's Adventure is outdoor recreation, outdoor life events like weddings and adventures, along with providing information on lodging, entertainment, events, conventions, honeymoons, and more. The goal of this site is to become the leading information portal of the Smoky Mountains. So welcome, everybody. I'm here today. We're going to have a nice little conversation. Now, as I do every time, I'm opening up a craft beer Sometimes it's from North Carolina. Sometimes it's from New York. This time it's from the Bronx Brewery in New York City. And it is, you can't, you now use can't leave. <laughs> Cheers. Now, I just saw that it's 10.1%. So if I get a little funny by the end of the show, <laughs> you, you'll know what, you'll know the reason they're at. <laughs> so I've, uh, I have um, got a new a new guest there today. His name is Garrett Wood Woodward, and he he is an award winning journalist, author, events promoter, and musician now living in Haywood County in Waynesville, North Carolina. He is a weekly columnist for the Smoky Mountain News since 2012, and later he's he was and as an, and after that also a columnist for the Smoky Mountain Living magazine. Best known for his interviews with musicians and compelling human interest stories, he's also the author of two books and is a regular contributor to Rolling Stone magazine, and while also promoting live musics with his own uh, company. Hello, Garrett. How you doing? Hey, man. How you doing? Thanks for having me here. I'm doing, doing good. And you're drinking a beer, too? What you drinking? Uh, well, I'm drinking a beer in solidarity of uh, my native North Country, which is a moosehead lager. 
All right. Uh, people forget, although it's a big beer, it's actually Canada's oldest and biggest independent brewery. Really? So it's a craft yeah, beer, it's, uh, theoretically. <laughs> it's one of the only. It's one of the only beer companies in Canada that's not owned by Molson or Labatt. <laughs> <laughs> so you grew up in upstate New York, not too far from uh, Canada, right? So uh, what was a it like growing up there? I, I grew up uh, a mile from Canada. Wow. That was a very small town, right? Extremely small. Uh, to put it in reference, we were the big town up there, but we were probably about the size of Bryson City, North Carolina, which is about uh, 1,800 people. So I grew up in a cow town in the northern Adirondacks. I always say you could hit a golf ball from my childhood home and hit Quebec. Cool. And uh, yeah, born and bred there until I got out of high school. My dad was an immigration officer for the U.S. government. He he was the one that decided if you come in and out of the border, which was tough because when I was a teenager and we would go to Quebec to drink beers because it's 18 to drink, he would be the one I'd come through and <laughs> decide if I could come back to America. <laughs> this is true. This really happened. It would be him in the booth saying, is that my son back there in the back of that car? <laughs> so you also and, had somebody that would check on you when you came back too. Yeah. He'd be like, make sure he gets home. His mom's going to be really mad. <laughs> <laughs> and so, my mom um, was a school teacher up there too. So the culture, so, you know, you, so it was near the Adirondacks. You were in the Adirondacks, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I grew so, up in the Champlain, Champlain Valley, Northern Adirondacks. Mm-hmm. Um, my whole existence revolves around places like Plattsburgh, New York, uh, Saranac Lake, Lake Placid, Tupper Lake, Lion Mountain, uh, all the way up to the border. And then, you know, Burlington, Vermont was right there. Uh, 30 minutes south of us was Burlington, Vermont. And then 45 minutes north of us was Montreal, Quebec. So for being so in a cow town, I had two of the world's greatest, two of the world's greatest cities within an hour of me. So that uh, that was a mountain culture, right? Yeah, so is it, uh, did, you find, did you find any similarities between it and the Smokies? Well, a lot of people don't realize that in essence, like it's kind of the same mountain chain. I mean, the yeah. Adirondacks are, are considered northern Appalachians, but it depends who you ask. Some people won't claim it, but um, it, it looks very similar. Western North Carolina looks very similar to upstate New York. Uh, the people are very similar it doesn't matter what your background is, your your uh, religion, or your political affiliation. The only question that remains is, are you a good person or a bad person? That's mm-hmm. all people care about up there, and that's all people care about down here. You know, are you here to compliment? And I say that with the letter E, not the letter I. Are you here to compliment <laughs> the community? Are you here to compliment the community, or are you here to just, um, uh, you know, absorb it and not contribute, you know? but yeah. that's, a, that's a big thing for me in this area. It reminds me a lot of where I grew up. Uh, the, the people are incredible. And, and up there, it was definitely mountain culture. When I'm home, all I do is the same thing I do down here, which is go hike, go swim in freshwater lakes and, uh, and go find live music at some bar around the corner. So my life has not changed that much since I moved down here. Was, blue, was bluegrass and country music big up there? It is, uh, but it's different. Like it's funny is, uh, I grew up one town over from where the Gibson brothers are from. And they're a very, very popular uh, award-winning bluegrass band. And they grew up, they were farm kids that were, you know, a generation ahead of me, but also 10 miles down the road. So when I was growing up, they were always playing the local, you know, maple syrup 
festivals and all the things that go on up there, uh, ice fishing tournaments, all that stuff. And then, you know, they, they become nowadays one of the marquee bluegrass bands in the United States, uh, to which they actually just put out an album that was produced by Darren Auerbach of the Black Keys, their last album. Uh, he called them up and produced it. But what's so funny is um, when, uh, when you talk to the Gibson brothers about it, when they play in upstate New York, people are like, oh, my God, you're, you're keeping the high lonesome sound going. And then when they come down to Appalachia, people are like, oh, you guys came close. You know what I mean? like, like they're considered traditional bluegrass in New York, but they're considered like uh, progressive bluegrass in North Carolina. And uh, yeah, the, but the, cool. the, the bluegrass, the bluegrass mafia around here, you better not introduce something new, right? <laughs> I know, it, but it's so cool is because I cross paths with them a lot when they're in Nashville or, you know, they're always at the IBMAs, which are this Thursday in Raleigh, the International Bluegrass Music Association Award Show. And uh, it's funny because in the South, I don't really have any personal connections down here with anybody that's from up there. So when I run into them, they know that they know everything and I know everything about where we're from and what we're about. So we always end up hanging out and having a couple beers and just, you know, chewing the bowl a little bit about the North country. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so uh, you're a writer, but you, you, you started, you, you were sort of a track star at Quinnipiac university, weren't you? Yeah. Well, I was a track star in high school, but then when you get to college, you realize that everyone's a track star that goes to college. And is an athlete. <laughs> It's sort so of like being a rock star, right? <laughs> yeah, you go you go from top dog in your hometown to you might make the team in college, you know. Yeah. Well, um, that was what spurred you then into journalism and history? Was it because you weren't a good track star anymore? Oh man, yeah. no. I, I still run every day. By the way, I have yeah. a six, six and a half year long streak of running every day, which is crazy. Oh, wow. I mean, it was it initially was to. Uh, spite my father because he's a huge runner he got me into running uh he's he's an older guy he's turning 80 this year and and i'm 36 and he was older when i was born and and he he ran you know boston marathon 20 times he was one of those guys in the 60s and 70s that kind of was the start of the running boom and um i was talking to him it was actually in, i was in new york city i was staying with some friends for new year's eve in in um in uh, greenpoint in brooklyn and I, I didn't have, usually I would run one day, mountain bike one day, hike one day. That's always been my routine, just kind of, you know, cross training. And I love exercising. I'm one of the few people that like, I really like to exercise that it's my Zen zone, but just like live music and writing. Right. So he told me, he, I told him I had run like six days in a row when I was in New York, cause I didn't have anything else to do. So I just ran every day. And he's like, six days in a row, that's nothing. I ran 100 days in a row. I don't think you'll ever do that. So now, <laughs> I'm, at, now I'm at, um, I think I'm at like 1,800 days in a row. Wow, just, Jesus it, Christ. No, but it's like to to really, sh you know, shove the point home to the old man. <laughs> well, you know, I think that, uh, that since COVID started, I think I'm at uh, having a drink uh, 400 days in a row or something like that. <laughs> I hear you, buddy. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we all get on streak sometimes. So, uh, um, so uh, you know, so how did you? Well, I think there's a further discussion here because I, you know, I, you know, one of the things I, I noticed when you made that joke, complimentary. Uh, that's an I or an E. You know, that is that's about a joke. About a joke that only a writer would really 
<laughs> would, would really make. Uh, so I want to get uh, more into uh, your journalism and your uh, and your uh, and your writing career when we come back um, uh, after this break. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the uh, Gateway to the Smokies podcast and my, get, and my guest Garrett Woodward, who is trying to destroy his own computer equipment by pouring too much beer fast into a cup. <laughs> uh, did you save your equipment there, Garrett? I'm good. <laughs> All right, my, good. My carpet has not been saved. <laughs> hey, you know, um, they say like 150 million years ago, there was this giant continent that comprised of the United States and, and Europe and others. And there was a giant uh, mountain range going up that, that when the continent split apart, those mountain ranges split apart. And, and one part of it ended up being the Appalachians. And the other part ended up being over in Europe. And now they have an international Appalachian trail that connects them two together virtually. And part of that goes into Scotland and Ireland. Now, I saw that after college, you went to County Ireland, County, County Kerry in Ireland. So how did you end up there? And did you find those, which that county is the most mountainous region in Ireland. Did you find those mountains similar to uh, yeah. the Appalachians? Well, no trees. The English tore all the trees down to build the homes. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, back uh, in the day, they didn't have trees around here either. Yeah, they, uh, so I actually, I was, I did, uh, it was semester abroad in college, but I was, it was a host family. It wasn't like you were with a bunch of, like, you it, you weren't in an American institution or American college with American professors. You were in a, I was with a host family with five other students for four and a half, five months when I was 20 years old. And um, the reason that it was a big deal to me was um, my full name is Garrett Cavanaugh Woodward. And Garrett Cavanaugh was the first person from my family to come over to America during the potato famine. So I was named after him. And it's always been a dream of mine to go there. And when the opportunity came up through through Quinnipiac, they actually have a a direct portal to Ireland. Uh, They're really big with uh, Irish Humanities it's just a big part of the school, which was amazing of a coincidence that the school actually had a property in Ireland where they had a host family that you could stay with for five months. And so I jumped on it and it was in County Kerry, uh, right out, right next to the Dingle Peninsula. And what was so cool was, uh, it was a life-changing experience. I recommend to anybody, if you can figure out where your family's from, what town they're from, to go there because it's one of those experiences that you can't explain the idea of like time doesn't exist kind of thing. Like it's all full circle. And, and what was crazy was I'd always heard that um, my family had a uh, pub in uh, uh, County Carlo, the town of Boris, only like 600 people. And I'd heard the Kavanaugh pub was still there. It's the exact pub that my ancestor Garrett Kavanaugh left to go to America the exact pub and i was like i wonder if it's still there and it's still there it's still a pub oh that must it, have been spine tingling right yeah yeah it was a pub with a thatched roof it had been there over 150 years 
and it was still called the Kavanaugh Pub. So being the runner that I am, I brought my running clothes and I went for a jog around the community. My parents actually met me there because we all wanted to track it down. And uh, my dad went for a run around one side of the town. I went for a run around the other and we circled back and had Guinness with my mom in that bar, in that pub. And it was uh, like, not to sound cheesy, but man, it was a really cosmic experience to, to sit in the exact room that your ancestor left for America from, you know, in Europe. Like, how crazy is that, you know? But I know, you know, I, you know, I can go around Haywood County and I can find uh, things that my ancestors have been in, you know, like old fox hunting cabins and things. I, I, get, I get a little bit of that, uh, you know, uh, that kick, right? Yeah. So, um, so you, 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 after college, you embarked upon this fabulous journalism career. So, uh, so how did you, you, you got into music journalism, right? I, since day, since I've been cognizant as a human being, my life has revolved around music. Um, I've, I've always been obsessed with it. I've always loved it. The second I was old enough to go to concerts, I would beg my parents to bring me to shows every weekend. The second I got a car, uh, second I got a car and a license, I never was home. I mean, uh. when, you know, I was a 12 year old kid begging my mom to drop me off at the rock show every weekend. I wanted to go see concerts. And when I was 16 and got a license, I worked at McDonald's. That was my first, that's the only job you can get on the border. McDonald's or you work at the Marina on Lake Champlain, that's it. And I spent every dime I made at McDonald's on gas and concert tickets and it's really hasn't changed since i I largely think i became a journalist so i didn't have to pay for concert tickets (laughs) (laughs) i think about i think about how much money i've not spent on concert tickets (laughs) but music's always been my life like it's always been something that so it was just that was just inevitable then that was there was your journalism was going to be uh inevitable to be I fell that. into I fell into journalism. I yeah. I didn't plan on being a journalist to be honest with you. Um I've always looked at live music as like one of the most sacred experiences you can have as a human being is being in a room of strangers and have this communal experience yeah. that 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 transcends anything. You know, you can be in a room full of people that are completely different of where they're from, what they do, who they are, what they're about but they're all there facing the same direction, looking at something and, mm-hmm. and, and just in anticipation of the magic. And that's the thing I do. I chase the magic, you know, the, the one moment, every show where you're just like, I I'm so glad I'm here right now. And <laughs> even as a kid that I'm like an old soul, man, even as a kid, I knew that 12 years old, I always felt that. And when I was in high school, this is how I fell into journalism. So I, wanted to be an mtv vj my dream was to be (laughs) i wanted to be carson daly i wanted to be on total request live i wanted to be 15 broadway i wanted to be on the second floor i wanted to host trl and i wanted carson daly's job i still want carson daly's job he's on the today show now but yeah um so when i was in a senior in high school a friend of mine of my mom's friend from high school's daughter worked at mtv too which was crazy because where i grew up a lot of people don't leave that area if you have dreams and it's not poo-pooing it i love it up there but right. a lot of times people have dreams and they don't chase them and 
most people don't leave my town. And I said, I'm, I'm bouncing out of here. And, uh, when I was a senior, I found out that this friend, this daughter of my mom's friend worked at MTV too. And she brought me into the TRL studios in 2002, right. You know, it was the biggest show on MTV at that point in 2002. It's long gone. Now. Well, I think it came back actually, but at the time it was huge. They'd get a thousand people in times square just to watch every broadcast. I mean, it was wild. And I got to walk around the studios and I said, this is what I want to do with my life. So I ended up at Quinnipiac cause they have a really good broadcast journalism program. And then I was kind of pursuing that. And then when I had to get an internship my junior year, I couldn't find anything. Uh, when I went back to New York for spring break, I had to get an internship by the time I came back from spring break or else I couldn't graduate. And so I went to a music festival in Lake Placid, New York. It was called Snowdown. It was S-N-O-E for the band Mo, M-O-E, so Snowdown. And I ran into a friend of mine who was my aunt's ex-boyfriend. And he's just this kind of cosmic looking dude, big white beard. He got me in the uh, Grateful Dead. He got me in the Grateful Dead when I was nine years old. There and, you go. <laughs> uh, so I ran into him at the festival. It, this is spring break. I had two days to find an internship. I had called every radio station, every TV station for the summer internship when I'm back in Plattsburgh. Nobody called me back. Everyone said we'd have we have nothing for you. So I was I was like, I'm going back to Connecticut to college in two days and I don't have an internship. And I ran into him at the show on Saturday night. I had to be back in college Monday. I ran into him Saturday night at the show in Lake Placid and I told him what was going on. He goes, Well, this is kind of funny. Uh, a friend of mine who owns a music magazine is here tonight. Uh, I know you're not a writer, but like you should talk to him. He'll probably get you an internship. So I ran into the guy that night and he said, so what do I got to do? Just say that you did stuff and sign a piece of paper. And I said, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be really great. I, I just really need this internship. And so I was able to fudge my way through it. Uh, even though it wasn't TV or radio, my journalism professor said it was okay because it was a, a magazine. So I had no experience with, with creative writing at all or any kind of magazine writing. And, um, I jumped on it. And that summer I started interning at this music magazine in Burlington, Vermont, state of mind music magazine. It was a physical magazine. It was a beautiful magazine. Taught me everything. I learned everything, everything I know about journalism. Now I learned there. Uh, it wow. hasn't changed every single thing. It was, it was great. It was one of those old school music magazines where they would give you like a six page spread where you could really oh, dive yeah. into it. Like you could really, really nerd out on artists. And uh, the, the editor there, Mike McKinley, gave me the internship and then about a month into it all i was doing was like dropping off uh, boxes of magazines at dive bars and uh mm -hmm. helping transcribe interviews and then he uh he said do you ever want do you want to write for us I, said, I don't know how to write and he goes well all you got to do is just tell the truth like how do you really feel about this thing like what what if you what do you feel about this album what do you feel about this artist what do you actually feel yeah he said that's all you got to do is just say that and then so that's where it started and then well, that's, a, I, that's a great that's a great way to start a career is to get you know that kind of uh fell into it of, yeah falling into it and then having some mentors there to help you that you know and being in a place where you can actually get a rich uh experience but then it led you to to be able to travel you know i noticed that you traveled early on to a lot of places but the one that interests me is you went to Burning Man. <laughs> Twice. Twice. When did you go? Twice. 
Uh, I went 2008 and 2009. I actually have, I don't know if you can see it. You got a Bernie Man tattoo right there. Uh, <laughs> I went 2002 and 2003. So uh, I've, uh, I've done my thing. That's cool. Another burner. All right. Good on so, you, man. You know, I, it's, it's a lot different now. I don't know if I'd ever go back. I don't know. You know, even then it was getting pretty big. It was like 30,000 when I was there. But uh, well, for me, I, we'll, have to, we'll have to share some stories. You have to come over to the motel. I got some real good yeah. stories from Bernie, man. Uh, there was so, still no uh, internet there. Now there's internet and cell service. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, when I went, I, I had put a satellite TV, uh, internet on my, on my, on my, on my, uh, my vehicle. I had one of these original, one of the original sets. I had internet before anybody at Burning Man. You might have been uh, the only person that could call out of there. Oh, yeah, I could call and I could, uh, I could, uh, yeah, I was doing a newsletter. I couldn't do images and heavy media at the time, but I could do some stuff. But uh, um, so anyway, uh, I, I'll have to have another conversation about all those travels. That's pretty good. So, but let's get to Haywood County. We're about to, uh, you know, go to a break. Um, and so when we come back, I want to talk about your intro to the Smoky Mountains. Howdy, this is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast and my guest, Garrett Woodward. Now, Garrett, you know, I had a, you know, Bob had made us a list of about a hundred questions. We've gone through three of them, I think. Bob is the best. And you've, uh, you, you're good at talking. You're good at talking. You know, there's no, no wonder you became a journalist. You can write a story, man. Uh, but, just, in a, just in a few words, you, uh, you, 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 a few questions, and ma'am, you're off on a novel. <laughs> dude, that's that Irish blood. Yeah. Are so, we allowed to swear in this thing? Sure, you can do whatever you want. This is a podcast. Well, I was going to say is that no vulgarity. All vulgarity aside, my, when I was younger, my father. I don't know if you ever watched that '70s show. Um, my father was like Red Foreman, still is, but tough love tough to read kind of guy yeah, yeah yeah yeah. never really said much like if if you had the best day of your life as i would i would break a school record and he'd be like did you puke at the finish line i said no <laughs> he, he goes you didn't run hard enough yeah and, my uh, dad my dad was an old mountain man i had that i had that same sort of dad <laughs> yeah so, so when i got out of high school i was like all right i get my diploma and i'm walking out of the auditorium from the um, ceremony and he walks up to me and I'm like, Oh, this is the moment. He's going to tell me he's proud of me. This is the moment. And he walks up to me. He doesn't extend his hand. He just looks me right now and he goes, well, Garrett, you graduated high school. You're a bullshitter and you've come from a long line of bullshitters and you're always going to be a bullshitter. And he just walked away. He just <laughs> walked away. That was it. That was him telling you, I love you. That was him telling you. you know. And he said your identity be the same identity that he has. So there yeah, you go. He's being a father. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. Uh, so um, let's talk about the Smokies. How'd you end up here? um desperation but i love it here um i uh i right after i got out of college i worked out in my favorite place in the world jackson hole wyoming i was living out there as a journalist when i was 22 years old and and then um 
when the economy tanked, I ended up back in New York freelancing, covering music festivals for a while. And then around uh, the spring of 2012, um, I needed to get a full-time job again. That was, that was the, the gig. I, I really needed to get back into it. I was just on the road hustling. It was rough when the economy tanked, especially as a journalist. It was rough out there. Oh, yeah. But I, uh, I applied for 100 jobs in 30 days, so three to four applications a day. I was mailing out physical applications to every newspaper that was hiring in June of 2012. I was applying for jobs in uh, Omaha, Nebraska, Sarasota, Florida, uh, you know, Santa Barbara, California, just anything. I just really wanted to be back into a full-time gig uh, instead of just, you know, whatever I could piecemeal together. And I applied to the Smoky Mountain News. And the next day, the boss, the publisher, Scott McLeod, who started the newspaper, who's still my boss and one of my best friends, he called me up and he was a little apprehensive he's like would you really move down here from new york we really like your stuff and i said yeah man i just really want a job <laughs> and, uh, and so i've how- been to Ash- i've been to Asheville before but i've never been to waynesville wow. i sight on scene i came here wow and, well how do you um how, how do you how did you find acceptance here how did i find acceptance um I, I think yeah. the biggest thing was uh not being full of shit uh, like yeah. I sincerely like the people I talk to. Uh, I'm a history buff. I'm a history nerd. Uh, I'm an old soul. It's just what what's in my DNA is is talking to people, um, especially in Haywood County, as you know. I've always felt that if you don't give people the time of day, you're not going to last long around here. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. I walked out Main Street, and Main Street Waynesville is four blocks, but it might take me. 40 minutes because i've had 20 people stop me to say hello or by the way i have a story idea or i read your column what was that about you know i think that i think it's still got a uh you know this whole area has got this uh, immense amount of still the the small the small town charm it it, it, it has not left yeah even though it's you know there's been changes over the years still it's still wonderful so let's talk about your uh, writing um, I mean, you have a really great uh, regular uh, column that's, you know, really, I think in a lot of ways you, you speak with a lot of soul searching and, and thinking about things. Um, and I recommend anybody read your, read your, your columns, but you also written some things that I think have won awards. You won, you won, you, uh, you won the North Carolina Press Association Award for a cover story called The State of Women in Bluegrass. So tell me, what yeah. is the state of women in bluegrass? Well, so all the years I've been writing about bluegrass, which I loved before I moved here, but when you move here, it becomes part of your life. Uh, thankfully, you know, I, uh, I love bluegrass. Uh, it's at the core of everything. You know, there, there wouldn't be rock and roll. There wouldn't be country music without bluegrass, if you really look into mm-hmm. it. And it's the more I learn about it, the more questions I have. And I noticed about maybe possible disparities between male and female performers and so I decided to kind of do like a state of things kind of thing where it was about, um, I interviewed about five or six uh, female bluegrass musicians from from s- small and unknown to some of the biggest stars in the country. You know, Randy Giddens and Claire Lynch. I mean, Randy Giddens from Carolina Chocolate Drops. And I mean, she's won Grammys. She's won everything. I mean, she, she's, you know, one of the biggest names in Americana music. 
And then uh, her and Claire Lynch, who's won multiple IBMA awards. And then all the way down to Haywood County's Daniel Bishop, who at the time was, you know, an up and coming female artist. And it was more about, you know, where do we stand right now? And uh, this was in 2015, you know, this was before a lot of things kind of changed in, in the realm of, of like disparities, but, or things that still need to change. But the, uh, yeah. the kind of overarching question was, you know, if you lead, if you're a female leading a bluegrass band, how do you feel about where you're at? in the industry in the genre and also part of like an old boys club in a lot of ways and so i learned a lot you know and and a lot of times in in that process with that story um unless i had posed the question they wouldn't have said anything you know they would have yeah. just you know push forward hell or high water get it done but when i sat down and kind of dug below the surface uh i got some really not surprising sadly not surprising answers about you know discrimination about um you know hey little lady uh do you know that this is yeah. a monitor and microphone i'm gonna like go I'm a, i you know i didn't have a chance to read that i'm gonna go i'm gonna go look up that uh that story so who who do you think are the the top women uh bluegrass uh in, in western north carolina now who would you in recommend people go see? right now? I mean, yeah. you know, bluegrass is a pretty flexible word these days. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, there's progressive bluegrass, there's neo-traditional, uh, but in terms of Western North Carolina, I mean, real deal bluegrass, like real deal traditional, Darren and Brooke Aldridge. I mean, Brooke Aldridge is uh, four time in a row and the reigning uh, female vocalist of the year at the IBMAs, and she's from Avery County, North Carolina. She just played Merle Fest last week up in Wilkesboro. She was amazing. She, she's one of the sweetest people you ever meet in your life. Voice of a songbird, Darren and Brooke Aldridge. I mean, she's blowing up. And it's, that's more of a traditional thing. But then when you look kind of the bluegrass, blues, roots kind of thing, you got, you know, Amanda Ann Platt and the Honeycutters and things like that. And uh, uh, what's the other one? Underhill Rose, I think, too. Uh, but, yeah, it's just – you can't uh, you can't throw a rock around here without hitting a bluegrass musician. Yeah. So another bluegrass. You actually wrote a book. It was your debut novel, right? I want to make sure I hit some of your highlights here because we're 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 running out of time and we haven't even hit. Uh, well, I, I guess I, clearly I we have to do this again. A tenth, a tenth of what you do. <laughs> so your, I don't get much your sleep. Debut, man. Your debut work. <laughs> Was the uh, I, I love this title? You're going to tell me what it means. You, if you can't play, get off the stage, right? Or get off the stage or stage. Yeah. Bluegrass in Western North Carolina and beyond. What was the, what was that meaning of that title? Yeah. Well, so um, I was kicking around the idea of putting together a bluegrass book for for a couple of years. Um, I had all these interviews together with you know legends of north carolina raymond fairchild steve sutton carol best balsam range uh just everybody mountain heart all these great bluegrass musicians and i was sitting on all this material and there was so much of it i told my boss you know we really we had a few beer too many beers at a christmas party and i said you know next year would be kind of great if we put out a bluegrass book with all this stuff we've been sitting on and i was still conducting interviews during that uh whole year after in the summer and I was interviewing Bobby Osborne from the Osborne Brothers, uh, Rocky Top and Ruby. I mean, those are legendary bluegrass songs. I mean, staples. Right, yeah. 
and you know Bobby Osborne, I was on his tour bus in Bean Blossom, Indiana, at the uh, Bill Monroe Bluegrass Hall of Fame Jamboree, covering Raymond Fairchild from Maggie Valley's induction into the Bluegrass Hall of Fame. And I was interviewing Bobby, and I said, you know, what is it about this music and and being up there? And he goes, damn it, son, if you can't play, get off the friggin' stage. And he didn't say friggin', <laughs> but... So when he said that, when he said if you can't play get off the stage, I was like, you know, that's the title. It's a little aggressive a, of, a, of a title, but it was on purpose because it, it makes you kind of stop. And I had people that were kind of up my craw about it, uh, saying it was too aggressive. Of a title. I love it. It's it's as aggressive, but you need you know. I love it. It, was, it, it made me. It, it made me think, man. It's like yeah, you know. It's like yeah, that's a good title, you know. Bluegrass in a lot of ways has got a you know, a little bit, uh, an, uh, you know, outsider status in this United States in some ways, you know, and in terms well, of mainstream culture. And so, you know, it's like, but the people who do it love it and do it for a reason because they love it, right? Well, it's, they they want to be good it, at it. They take it so seriously. Um, it, you know, Raymond Fairchild, who you know, you know, you know very well before he passed. I mean, he was an icon in Maggie Valley. Oh, yeah. and He told me, and I believe him, he always talked about how uh, bluegrass bands like a team of horses that if one falls all of them fall so if yeah. you're up there you're up there and you got to pull your weight just like a horse and a team of horses and if you don't do it um why are you up there <laughs> <laughs> so you have any other books come you got any other books i am working on a rock and roll book right now oh uh, wow yeah, I have, rolling stone you've been yeah, I have uh, so many interviews over the years with uh, rock legends that, that I've always loved and people that I've pursued. And uh, it's a little bright over here. Sorry, the sun all of a sudden just popped up in my window. But no, they, right. uh, they, yeah, so I'm working on a rock and roll book this winter to hope to hopefully get out in the uh, spring. But it's, you know, well, I've we'll interviewed have bring, We'll have to bring you back on. To, we'll have to bring you back on to talk about it. Oh, I, I look would. forward to it. Yeah, it's a really great program. I'm definitely coming back. <laughs> fun, fun. Okay, well, we're gonna take a break now and we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about more uh, your, your, your knowledge of uh, uh, what, what's interesting in Haywood County and uh, the Western North Carolina, and then how uh, another thing like Howdy, this is Joseph Franklin McElroy, back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast, and my guest, Garrett Woodward. So, Garrett, I imagine you've done just about every music event, festival, and a concert in the Smoky Mountains area. So, what is the number one place people should not miss? In terms of live music? Live music? Um, definitely Merle Fest. That is that just happened last weekend. That is the premier Americana bluegrass roots festival in the country. Mm -hmm. Far none. Um, it's four days of the world's best musicians and the world's best up and coming musicians at the Wilkes Community College campus. They had eighty thousand people there over four days. Oh my god! Last weekend, 
uh, Sturgill Simpson, Margot Price, Sam Bush Band, uh, Sierra Farrell, Charlie Crockett, Balsam Range from Haywood County. And it's just incredible. It's a huge celebration. Uh, other than that, you know, anything in Asheville. Asheville right now is, is one of the hottest music scenes in the United States. It's like and two things, music and food, right? It's like and, and beer, music, food, beer, beer, food, beer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're—I'm not going to lie to you, man. We're spoiled out here. Like, <laughs> I mean, what do I want to go see a show? Do I want to try a new brewery? Do I want to go to a new art gallery? Do I want to try this great restaurant, or do I want to go hike and disappear into the woods? It's all within an hour of my apartment, you know. <laughs> well, you know, I come life. to. I come to I come to Maggie Valley every weekend, right? To, to you know for the motel, but you know spend the rest of my you know life in New York City, and you know one of the things that uh, I don't 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 have to, to suffer for is 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 craft beer. The quality is on par <laughs> down there with anything in the world that I've ever, and of course the I moonshine agree. as well, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, man. You know, I wrote a I wrote a cover story about seven years ago about the history of moonshine in Western North Carolina for the Smoky Mountain News. And to this day, seven years later, I still have random moonshiners walk up to me at parking lots, uh, at <laughs> bars, at grocery stores saying, you think you've had the best? Follow me to my car. And then they give me a jar of shine. It still happens to this day. What? Well, that's 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 good. I, right now, I have people walking up to me at uh, at uh, grocery stores and not happy with me because I put a vaccine mandate in at the motel. <laughs> <laughs> so they did it for ethical reasons, not political, but still, uh, some people. Uh, uh, but it's anyway, too bad that moonshine doesn't kill COVID, right? Because that I would know, be, right? That'd yeah. be great. I would I would be all over that. <laughs> Is there any great rock and roll places? Uh, or concerts or things something that, that's not you would just not even think about it is the smoky mountains well in turn like bands or venues uh or, or, know, or a concert or a festival or anything that you would just say hey this is something that's fantastic near world class that you would not expect in the, the smoky mountains. well i mean in terms of rock and roll there's um festivals in brevard and, and Asheville. Uh, this weekend is the french broad river fest which is kind of like a uh, reggae roots uh rock and roll americana festival up in hot springs which you know is two towns up from waynesville and yeah. up 209 french broad river fest Th that one is very eclectic it's not the normal run-of-mill bands that you see rolling through some of the festivals out here um most of the stuff west of Asheville, it's bluegrass roots oriented unless you go to the casino i mean there's a lot of really great bands uh that next weekend three dog nights playing there and then in december dion warwick's playing like it's random stuff like that's you know right. yeah. <laughs> 15 minutes from downtown maggie valley you can go see three dog night up, up in the casino uh, which is great well, i'm gonna <laughs> So I've got a million questions about where you would think are great things to do. And you probably have a lot of knowledge. We definitely have to have, have you back on so we can pick your brain. But uh, let's do the itinerary. What, uh, what would you do? Let's talk about Waynesville, North Carolina. And where would you eat breakfast in the morning if you recommended somebody come in there? Where would you tell them to go? Well, first and foremost, I will say that Western North Carolina is a pick-your-own-adventure book. I have the shortest attention span known to humanity. 
I was only going to live here for six months. That was nine and a half years ago. <laughs> I, I have, I have never been bored in this town. I have never been born in this board in this County and I've never been bored in Western North Carolina. If you're bored here, you're boring because yeah. that's the truth, man. There's so much going on outside your front door. If you can't have fun here, I don't know why you're here, <laughs> you know, and for, for Waynesville, I mean, I love uh, breakfast wise. I mean, on an average day, Beach Mountain, the new spot in Hazelwood, Hazelwood neighborhood of Waynesville. I love Beach Mountain. They have a huge menu. The food's great. It's very plentiful. They only opened about six months ago, but they've already taken the breakfast. I've heard of it. I haven't been there, so I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there very soon. So, what would you do in the in the morning after the eat the meal? After I have a food coma, leaving Beach Mountain. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I would say too that the water and hole has actually the best brunch in Haywood County, in my opinion. Oh, okay. Uh, the legendary water and hole. They actually have bluegrass musicians play on, in the afternoons on Sundays. Sunday brunch, uh, huge portions of food. And then you got, what's the one in uh, Maggie Valley? Pops has really good food Pops. too, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. They got that shrimp and grits. It's unbelievable, yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you jump over the ridge in the Silva, which is not far away, you have yeah. uh, Lucy in the Rye, which is a gourmet breakfast spot. I love Lucy in the Rye, man. Oh, Rosemary, yeah. pine potatoes for the hash browns. I yeah. mean, But then – after you eat a big breakfast, you know, you got to have some coffee. I would go to Orchard Coffee in downtown Waynesville. It was ranked the number four coffee spot in the United States by, oh, wow. food, and wine, by food and Wine Magazine. Wow, the, the, Orchard the, Coffee. We're, oh, my God. Yeah. It's right across yeah. from the courthouse in Waynesville. It was ranked by Food and Wine Magazine. The guy that owns it, my buddy uh, Cabell, is the owner, and he is a two-time United States latte champion. I didn't know that that existed. Okay. He's known, right. he's, known as, he's known as one of the best latte makers in the United States. And it's uh, it's at the corner of uh, Main Street and Depot. So right where the tipping point used to be, which is now sauced. And then the corner. You just, you just taught me something. Listen, I didn't even know. I didn't even know. So I'm, oh, the I'm coffee's going amazing. To, I'm going to and they roast everything time. on site. They roast their own beans on site. Wow. It's amazing. Wow. uh, All right. Well, we're running out of time. So let's do a quick lunch and a quick afternoon. Quick lunch. Uh, Oh, man. You threw me on the spot there. Uh, I love uh, the patio in downtown Waynesville. Church Street Depot burgers are amazing. Hand patted, hand cut, delicious fries. Uh, Oh, Third Bay Filling Station. It used to be the old mechanic shop there on the corner off of Depot Street. Is that good? Oh, it's amazing. Their food's amazing. Church, uh, 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 Third Bay Filling Station. Uh, the, the best gourmet sandwiches and soup for lunch in downtown Waynesville. You got a little time. You got a little extra cash in your pocket. Go to the Sweet Onion. That's always been my favorite spot. Oh, to eat dinner. yeah, that's always good. That's good for Frogsley dinner, too. Public House. Oh. Frogsley Public House. Yeah. But then for me in the afternoon, I'm going hiking, man. I'm going out into the Catalucci Valley. I'm going to yeah. go up to Mount Sterling sunburst go swimming at sunburst down there on 215 it's a tough life man all right tough life all right so uh, we got to call it call it call the quits here so tell me how people can uh follow you get in touch with you or to keep track of what you're doing or buy your books well so my instagram is garrett g-a-r-r-e-t letter k and then last name woodward w-o-o-d-w-a-r-d garrett k woodward that's my instagram uh email garrett g-a-r-r-e-t at smoky s-m-o-k-y mountain all spelled out 
I mean, I, I read for all these travel stuff that we do with the newspaper. So if you have any questions, get a hold of me. I'm always down to point people in the right direction. I love living here. Come on down. All right. Cool. Well, thank you so much. It's been a wonderful interview. We're definitely have to get together again because there's a million questions and things to talk about that we didn't even get It's been get a real to. pleasure. I really uh, appreciate the opportunity. All right. So uh, this is the Gateway to the Smokies podcast. You can find out more about us at gatewaytothesmokies.fun. We're on the talkradio.nyc network. Uh, there's some great shows on this network. Following this one is about New York City and uh, tourism there. So come to, uh, come to talkradio.nyc and listen to some of the great shows. Um, I wanted to mention the Metal Lark Motel. This is my you know, once in a while uh, call to action is having weekday getaway specials through December 31st. Uh, and it's gonna, you can visit Maggie Valley in the heart of the Great Smokies. Go see the great colors of the, of the trees and leaves and, get a, and you can get a three night getaway price for the pri getaway package for the price of two. And that's good. Choose Sunday through Tuesday or Monday through Wednesday. And you got king rooms, spa rooms, cabins, and cottages. Reach out to 828-926-1717 and speak to Boyd to get, get, your, get your reservation. Again, 828-926-1717, speak to Boyd. And thank you. We'll see you next Tuesday uh, from uh, 6 to 7 for another great show. And I won't be drinking another 10% on the show because, boy, I'm feeling it. <laughs>